What's keeping you up at night? Welcome to SBH Bronx Health Talk, produced by SBH Health System and broadcast from the beautiful studios at St. Barnabas Hospital in the Bronx. Hello, I'm Stephen Clark. According to the American Academy of Sleep Medicine, 10% of Americans have chronic insomnia, which means they have a problem going to sleep and waking up. This can result in fatigue, inability to focus or concentrate, poor memory, mood disturbances, daytime sleepiness, low energy or motivation, and increased errors or accidents. With us today is Dr. Medea Ibrahim, Director of the Center for Sleep Medicine at SBH Health System. Welcome, Dr. Ibrahim. Thank you. So, you know, we always read about how people, adults, should have seven, eight, nine hours of sleep a night. What about those people who flaunt the fact they only sleep four or five hours a night? Are they looking for trouble down the road? What I would say is it is recommended to at least get seven hours of sleep. However, those individuals that say that they only sleep five hours. Now, you do have short sleepers, but then you also have um, individuals who say five hours, but eventually they feel like they have been sleep deprived, and then they end up catching up their sleep at some point later on in the weekend or when they have some downtime. Well, I, I know... You know, again, what I've read in the literature is that people should have a consistent sleep schedule. But yet, um, I guess you're saying you can't catch up on the weekends or on holidays when you're not working, right? There is something that ends up happening is like sleep debt that ends up happening. But some, for some people, it's hard for them to catch up on it. So those individuals that are more sensitive to um, having maybe daytime impairment because they've um, skipped out on getting adequate sleep, then in those individuals, it is recommended that they stick with a strict sleep schedule and even on the weekends to ensure that you know they oversleep, let's say, on Saturday, and then Sunday they might have difficulty falling asleep. Right, right. Now, I, I know, you know, obviously shift workers have a different situation. I, I know my, my daughter is a fellow and she works 30 straight hours and then goes home and collapses until she has to work again. Is that good or bad? And though there are, you know, they do have time for recovery for some people. Some people are able to recover and bounce back with their circadian rhythm. But in some individuals, it might be more difficult. So there are ways that they can try to improve their sleep once they do get home, like while they're driving home after a 30-hour shift, maybe wear sunglasses, um, you know, don't drink caffeine while they're going home so that somehow they're able to initiate sleep, go to sleep, and then bounce up back from there. Right, right. Now... When we talk about chronic insomnia, mm -hmm. what, what does that mean? How do you define that? So chronic insomnia is insomnia lasting for more than three months versus acute or short-term insomnia, which is less than three months. And um, acute can usually be set due to stressors that might happen acutely. So, so again, if you're stressed out about work or family or something, that in the short term can affect your sleep patterns. Correct, yes. Okay, but then normally when, when that stress dissipates, you should be able to go back to a normal sleep. Right, agreed. Um, I'm guessing as a sleep specialist, you're not one to recommend sleeping pills, right? I don't recommend sleeping pills to be used in the long term. However, if, in the, if a patient needs it for short term, and let's say if it's secondary to acute insomnia, they can go on um, you know, the sleeping pills. 
versus um, you know chronic insomnia, but for that one we would do sleeping pills in conjunction with cognitive behavioral therapy, which has been shown to be effective. Okay, now that you brought up cognitive behavioral therapy, what exactly is that? So cognitive behavioral therapy, it's, um, let's say, a pa so it's a few sessions that a patient would encounter with a therapist, and what they do is they talk to them about their approach to sleep and what is causing them the difficulties to sleep and how to um, go around that. Okay. Um, now, uh, let's go over a few tips that I've read about in the literature and, and just, you know, give me a little bit of an explanation. Um, establish a relaxing bedtime routine. What, what does that mean? So that means like, you know, before you go to bed, you want to, you know, the stressors that might be of the day, maybe for some people that can prevent them from falling asleep. So in those individuals, maybe write it down so that when they're laying down and they're ready to sleep, it's off their mind. Um, they might, you know, the electronics should be turned off, like a phone, a television. You shouldn't have a television in your bedroom. Um, that should be turned on because the light from there can go ahead and make someone feel more alert and possibly decrease melatonin, which you need to fall asleep. Um, and then relaxing so that when their body goes ahead into the room and into the bed, that it, it's the cue for the body itself, like, okay, now it's time to relax and now it's time to go to sleep. Okay, another tip I've read about, if you don't fall asleep, after 20 minutes, get out of bed. What do, you, what do you say about that? So if you can't fall asleep after 20 minutes, we do recommend that you get up, go to another space, try to do something boring in dim lit area. Like if you don't like reading algebra books, I tell you go pick up an algebra mm -hmm. book. And then when you feel like you can fall asleep again, then you would go back to your bed and try to reinitiate sleep. We don't want patients spending more than 20 minutes in bed because then that would go ahead and maybe um, create a bad habit in their body as like you know create a bad cue like okay i'm going to go hit the bed now i'm more alert you want to have the body go to bed and be like okay time to go to sleep i i know um this is what you know i have done i don't know if this works with other people something you suggest if i have a hard time falling asleep for whatever reason i think about something that is relatively insignificant in my life like try to remember the names of every dog in my community um just to think about something that will not be too stressful and will help me go to sleep. Is that something you'd recommend? Yeah, that's, some, that's, that's fine. fine. As long as you can think about something more relaxing, relaxing thoughts can help someone go to sleep better. Okay, now another one is avoid consumer alcohol, excuse me, avoid consuming alcohol before bedtime. So I guess contrary to some people's opinion, uh, drinking alcohol, or, I don't know, smoking a little weed is not beneficial, right? So as far as alcohol goes, we tell patients to avoid drinking alcohol prior to bedtime because it can disrupt the later part of their sleep. And as far as the cannabis goes, I mean, there have been research that has looked into this matter, but they did find that although it might help and, um, you know, low doses can help with some sleep portion of it, but prolonged and heavy use of um, cannabis can adversely affect sleep. Okay. Okay, another one, don't go to bed unless you are sleepy. Correct. Now, again, you know, I, I know, um, again, I know people in my family, I have that problem where you get home at night, you put on the TV or something, you fall asleep, so you sort of wake up and get a second wind, and then you can't fall asleep. Mm -hmm. Is that a sort of a universal problem? I would say get turn off the TV, don't make it into a habit because TVs should not be in the bedroom. Again, it should be a relaxing environment. And you know, when you watch TV, it might be something more stimulating and that would maybe keep you more awake. So I would just say, 
it should be a, a quiet environment. And if you do wake up in the middle of the night and you are unable to fall asleep within 20 minutes, and again, those 20 minutes, I'm not asking you to look clock watch what time it is. It's just an assumption, like, is it taking too long? Then I would again suggest get out of your bed, go to another room and try to reinitiate. Something. If you're doing something quiet, let's say you're reading a book or something, is that beneficial? Yes, something boring. Okay. Something as long as it's boring. So a boring book. A boring book that okay. <laughs> puts you to sleep. Yeah. And what about, um, I don't know, taking a, a warm bath? Does that help? It can help. It's a considered possibly a relaxing technique. Anything relaxing prior to bed. For some people, you know, there are studies that have shown that meditation before going to sleep is helpful. And it's shown in the older population and the younger population. So if they find like taking a bath is relaxing, then yeah. Okay, and also another suggestion is not to eat a large meal at night. When should you stop eating? Or what's the latest you should eat dinner? I would say um, about two to three hours prior to bed time would be a good time. Okay. I mean, and if you feel like, okay, after eating a lar uh, meal two to three hours, you're still not falling asleep and you feel hungry, then maybe a light snack is okay. But that's about it. And nothing spicy. Okay, well, that's good to know. Now, is there anything, um, you know, people are called night owls, mm -hmm. which means, I guess, their body rhythm or something, they just don't fall asleep early. Instead of 10 or 11 o'clock, they find at 2 o'clock, they're still puttering around. Right. What can you do? So in those patients, they have delayed sleep phase syndrome. So there are ways to alter it. Like um, maybe possibly taking melatonin, low dose, can try to pull the sleep towards a more evening schedule and exposure to light during the day might help shift their circadian rhythms. But yes, there are those kids that are night owls or adults that are night owls. So again, let, let's say, um, you know, I mean, you explained this to me the other day. You try to, I guess, um, change your sleeping patterns a little bit each day correct to try to so instead of going to bed two maybe it's i don't know one thirty or something then one then right. twelve thirty. is that typically yeah. what you're talking about you can do it by increment you can try by increments of 30 minutes or so you can try to shift your circadian rhythm by 30 minutes or so, so. Mm -hmm. and then stick with it and then after once you've accomplished where they want to be then try to stick with that sleep schedule do you ever do you see many patients who are shift workers who again work um you know, midnight till seven in the morning, whether it's police officers or health workers who don't wake up to the sun? I do see those, and, yes. And what can you do for them? I mean, it's a different story, right? So in some patients, it's difficult. It depends if they're able to function at those shifts. You know, um, you can develop a shift work sleep disorder. So what we try to do is, you know, I try to work with them as to give them a, um, good sleep hygiene tips on how to approach it if they're always working nights. And then in some cases, if they really can't handle it, then we suggest that they stick with day shifts. Well, yeah, but that's easier said than done. Right. And, you know, and also, I know um, a lot of police officers and also a lot of nurses, a lot of physicians are constantly changing their shifts. Right. And um, I guess you got to just sort of like, uh, you know, sort of push through it, right? For some, they're able to push through it. And again, you have some people that are night owls, and then you have some that have a very hard time with um, working those hours. Now, I, I know you give, um, you do sleep studies 
for sleep apnea, but for insomnia, does that make any sense doing a sleep study? No. I think unless we suspect an underlying sleep disorder or underlying other sleep abnormality that might be um, causing it, then it's worth doing it. But for insomnia, I think um, obtaining history, adequate history, you know, getting a sleep diary from a patient, um, figuring out what's preventing them from initiating sleep and maintaining sleep, if we can work on those, then that's pretty much adequate. And then, and you're successful even with people who've had years and years of insomnia, right? Right. We have um, cognitive behavioral therapy sessions that we offer weekly um, in conjunction with our um, psychology department. So they're fairly successful. Yeah, patients come back with good outcomes. Okay, great. So Dr. Abraham, if someone is interested in making an appointment for the sleep center, is there a number they can call? Yes, they can call 718 718- Nine six zero three seven three zero to set up an appointment. Okay, great. Thank you. No problem. Uh, well, thank you, Dr. Ibrahim, for joining us on SBH Bronx Health Talk. Again, for more information on sleep disorders or other services available at SBH Health System, visit www.sbhny.org. And thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me.